Welcome back to Work at Life. I am Maddie Grant. I'm a culture consultant at Propel, and I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Sonia Lucina, who is president of the Workforce Division at Question Pro and an organizational psychologist. Um, welcome to all our regular listeners and also all our new listeners. Um, if you don't know, Work at Life is a show for everyone whether you're an employee or an employer who believes that work should be fulfilling and allow us to learn and grow, given that we spend so much time working. So this means that on this show, we explore a ton of different topics related to both work and life in general. But what's different about our show is that we like to look at burning issues through the lens of both the individual and the organization. And our passion is about fulfilling work-life integration, let's say. Um, and of course, we want you to leave every episode with at least one new idea. So I hope you'll let us know if you do. And today, I actually wanted to give a very special shout out to my mom, Catherine, who just subscribed to the podcast and just listened to the very first episode for her um, yesterday. So hi, mom. <laughs> Anyway, I'm going to pass it over to Sonia to kick off our great conversation today with our usual data point. Thank you so much, Maddie. Um, I'll kick off the data point and then I'll turn it back to you to introduce our fabulous guest since you two are friends and um, although he's made such a phenomenal impression on me already, I wouldn't even do it justice like you would be able to. Um, but to frame the conversation before introductions, um, what we're going to talk about is something that's been just such a huge impact on us um, for many years, but particularly in the last couple, and it's technology and you know, how we leverage it in our daily lives and what's phenomenal about it and maybe what's not so phenomenal about it. Um, how do we experience it? Are there things we want to work on? I mean, all kinds of stuff. And it's certainly something that has been a hot topic for a while and continues to be, especially as we, you know, continue to explore the future and how we want to go back to the office or not the office and the work styles, etc. So, um, one of the questions that we asked before our episode is during the COVID-19 pandemic, how has the amount of time you've spent on the internet and digital devices been impacted? So you might think like, well, Sonia, <laughs> like, of course, you know, for many people, it's been more, but us being data people, we wanted to know, well, for how many has it changed? And we found out actually for two thirds of people, for 63% of people, the amount of time they spend on the internet and digital, and digital devices has increased. That's a huge number. And for about a quarter, actually exactly a quarter, 25%, it has stayed the same. And then there were 12% of people where it's decreased. So certainly we're seeing the pandemic has had an impact on the vast majority of the people. And for most part, it's actually the usage has gone up. So what does that mean with that teaser data? <laughs> Maddie, I am going yeah. to give you the honor of introducing our today's guest. Yes. So today's topic is technology distraction. 
Um, and we're going to dig into lots of different aspects of that. But we're very excited to have Miko Whitlock here with us. Um, Miko's site is mindfultechie.com. And Miko and I, I don't actually know how many of you know this, but I do a lot of work in the nonprofit space. And that is where I met Miko. Uh, I was actually at a conference or helping to plan a conference where um, somebody was looking for a panelist about mindfulness. And I was like, ha ha, I know the perfect person. And so <laughs> Miko at the time was at the very beginning of his journey into the whole topic of mindfulness. And since then, he's become just a, an amazing consultant uh, and trainer, and he helps lots of organizations um, to think about mindfulness and specifically mindfulness related to technology overload, technology distraction. And I know that, you know, we all feel this at times, even if we love technology, which I definitely do. I know Sonia does. Like sometimes you're just like, oh my gosh, like, can I just turn everything off and go like hide in my bed, <laughs> basically? <laughs> So Miko, um, let me turn it over to you just to give a little bit of, you know, bio background, um, you know, tell us about yourself a little bit, and then we'll kind of dig into the discussion. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. Um, so I am Miko Marco Whitlock. I am the founder and CEO of Mindful Techie, I'm also speaker and trainer on workplace wellness. And I work specifically with change-making organizations. So these are organizations that are making a difference in the world for people, animals, and or the planet across sectors. Um, my background is primarily in nonprofit and government work. Um, and that's how I actually came to this topic because in government and in nonprofit, you know, we are deeply passionate about the work that we do, but sometimes we give of ourselves so much that we have nothing left over for our so friends, for, family, for, our house, for, for life outside of that. And so, mm -hmm. um, as you mentioned with the mindfulness piece, I take a mindfulness-based, holistic and trauma-informed approach to the work that I do. So this is not about just the latest tips, tricks and hacks, but really about diving a little bit deeper into what's our deeper intention, what's the root cause of the challenges that we're dealing with and how can we put in place solutions that are actually gonna be sustainable over the long term, as opposed to a workshop that inspires you for a day or so, and then you're back to where you started. Well, and speaking of that, would you mind sharing a little bit of your story, like how you came to this? Um, because I know when we were preparing for this podcast, you know, you told us this story and I, I didn't know about it before. And I just thought that was just really just impactful. So I, I think our listeners would love to hear it, too. Sure. So I've I've been oh, I was a latchkey kid from the age of five um, years old, raised primarily by a single mom. And uh, fortunately for that experience, I uh, took a lot of positive things away from that. I, I became really independent um, and self-sufficient at, at a very young age. And I carried that through my schooling and throughout my early career and even so now. And part of the reason that I've dedicated my, my career to servicing the folks that I work with is because I wanted to make life better for people that were, that were similarly situated. I wanted to help support the people who are actually doing the work, who are out there trying to change systems and adjust systems so that everyone has an equal opportunity to have uh, a, a successful and, and, and full life. And so um, that's really what drives me. I think we all have, um, I think we, we have the right to, to, to live a fulfilling, fulfilling life at work and outside of work. And I want to do my part to help people do that. 
Amen. And, you know, that's it's so aligned with this show because that's exactly the the purpose of this show from a a different angle, of course, than yours. But, you know, we also believe that work needs to be fulfilling and needs to be connected in the right way to life outside of work. Um, And there's just, yeah, I just, you know, heart. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Sonia, do you want to share our uh, second data point now just to kick off the rest of the conversation? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, again, as we were thinking about this conversation could be hours long, so it's always a challenge to say, you know, what do we highlight? And one of the things that we were talk about talking about is again the different impact. And I know I, I was mentioning um, the use of my devices and framing that in such a way as every I get on every Sunday I get a summary that my usage go up or down and what was my average use on my phone and my iPad. And I feel like it's always like, oh, oh that's so much. It should be less. And um, I've realized then that when I think about you know, why, what is that reaction is because in some ways we frame technology as this, you know, you're not using your time effectively. Are you on social media, just browsing mindlessly? But then in many ways, it's like, oh, wait, like I talk with my parents on my phone every day. I actually read on my phone and my iPad because I live in Argentina and my English is so much better than my Spanish. And how fun is it when I see on social media, you know, somebody recommend a book and I'm like, oh, I need to read that. And in one click, I have it. Like, I don't have to wait for an order, you know, to, to come in and mail or anything like that. And so when we were asking people, um, I'll bring up the other question. This is another parallel that I drew is like, well, one, you know, there's there are many things that we do with technology that are very positive. And two, when they're not, um, we were just talking about, I always mentioned that um, I, I say now relatively new mom because my kid is like three and a half. So he's definitely not a newborn, but, new. <laughs> yeah, but I still feel like I'm figuring out so many different things. And and anytime something changes, it happens. I'm like, I look around, I'm like, am I the only one? Does this happen to other people? Is this normal? Or like, what level of not normal is this? Um, so it's always nice to know what's going on with other people, how are other people experiencing different things, and in this case, technology. And so one of the questions that we asked is, in which situation do you frequently find yourself checking your digital devices? So for example, your cell phone, your tablet, you know, watching TV, etc. And so this was a select all, right? Like, what are all the different situations? And 54% said that they checked their phone in bed. And I remember reading articles that were saying, like, or one article just like left an impression on me. And they said, you know, if you have a significant other, like really try to make it a goal as much as possible to be, to touch your significant or have your significant other be the last thing you touch before you go to sleep, not your phone. (laughs) It's a much better. (laughs) And so like, I feel like every night that goes through my mind is I'm like doing like the last round of like checking in on things. I'm like, Oh, put the phone down, put the phone down. Um, And so 54% of people said they checked their phone in bed. So, you know, for any of you that you're doing that, you're not alone. Um, Another one was while waiting for something or someone that was another 54%. And I feel like I see that in my daily life, like people outside of a store, people, Mm -hmm. you know, at a, 
gas station, people waiting for a bus or a train. And then um, we were having fun with this one before getting out of bed. 48% of people said that. And for me, a lot of times I'll watch these shows or movies and oh, it, take, it takes me forever to get out of bed. I don't like to. I love to sleep. <laughs> I love my bed. I love my pillow. And so, you know, after the few snoozes, like with one eye open, I'll check my phone and it's usually like, okay, I'll check Slack. I'll check email. I'll check Instagram. And then I'm like, good to go. And it doesn't take very long, but I'm just like, well, it's probably not maybe the best way to start. And also sometimes when it happens, it's I'm still partly asleep and I'm like, wait, was there, was that an email? Was it a slide? Where did they see that? Did they dream that? Like, what? but I'm glad I'm not alone. Um, and then this one was um, definitely um, a party pleaser when I ran this data through our Slack integration at Question Pro because my colleagues can see what questions are asked and how the data comes in. So <clears throat> 41% of people said they checked their digital devices on the toilet. And we'll get into that a little bit too, because maybe it's not as like, oh, no, you don't. You don't. No, no, no. <laughs> like, you're not bringing that phone to the dinner table after doing that. Um, and then some other options where, you know, when procrastinating 32%, when feeling nervous or anxious 28%, um, during meals 24%, and then it trailed off a little bit after that. But again, I loved seeing this data for like a million reasons, but instead of me continuing to elaborate how I internalized it <laughs> and all the ways that maybe it made me feel good and not alone, Miko, I would love <laughs> your opinion on this because you do this for a living. So what Absolutely. do you see in this data? What are you talking like? Just tell us, tell us. I love it. <laughs> well, I was just thinking everything. about the, the first data point about the bed, right? So the, that uh, was it 54% of folks that they checked their device in the bed. It reminds me of this, this data point that I used to use for training um, where there's a survey taken a while back where they showed that if people had a choice between giving up sex for a year or giving up their phone, a vast majority of folks for this particular study actually, oh, I think maybe like a, a I don't remember the exact data point, but a significant portion of folks said that they would give up sex as opposed to <laughs> give up their phone. So um, people are we, you know, people are really attached to to their devices, but yeah. um, it's really contextual. So you talked about the screen time and how for you it actually has increased. So screen time usage obviously is going to be variable on a case by case basis, um, mm -hmm. and in and of itself, whatever your screen time is. Um, and however you even responded to these survey questions that you just talked about where you just gave data points, um, it's, 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 it's circumstantial depending on what your intentions are and what you value in your life and in your work and how you're actually using your technology to help you with that. So we talked about the instance where folks are using their devices on their toilet. Well, for some people, that could be a red flag that you have a severe attachment to your device and there might be an opportunity there for you to think differently about that, uh, maybe get support, um, try some interventions that can help you with that if you're heavily attached to your device. But on the opposite end of that, if you are a parent with small children, if you are a caregiver to small children, maybe that bathroom time, that toilet time is the only time that you actually have to be on your devices without a little small hand trying to grab your device to play a game <laughs> or do something else, right? So, yeah. uh, so, it, so it really depends and it's, it's, it's really contextual. So that's, that's really the starting point when it comes to our technology use. We have to recognize, I think, two things. One, our technology, at least in the context that we're using it right now, it isn't neutral, right? So there's a profit motive that is driving 
you know, how technology is being intentionally designed to keep our eyeballs connected to them, right? So you take Netflix, yeah. for example, and the fact that it's automatically set up to play whatever's in the next, you know, oh, what, it gets me next every time. It yeah. Gets me every time. Yes. And so it's not thing, only watch one episode. I yes. Can't do it. So I'm it's trying. the same thing with, with YouTube, um, that the, the, the algorithms and the settings are set up in such a way that they, by default, to keep you keep your attention focused on those things for as long as possible. Uh, fortunately, if you are aware of this, using a Netflix example, you can go into your settings unit. You can actually turn off the autoplay for the for the next thing, right? Same thing with YouTube. You can turn those things off. There are plugins that you can install for your browser to prevent that from happening. So that's the first point, understanding that the technology isn't neutral. And so um, to your point about the data usage, sometimes it's not even about you, Sonia. Like it's not even about you. It's about the you know there are forces outside of just what you can do as an individual that are um, impacting the decisions that you're making. So you're not completely autonomous um, in your decision making here. Uh, the the other part of it is you know really getting clear about the intention piece. Like what is your yeah. intention? You know we talked about this with um, in the green room about screen time for kids. And how during the pandemic, you know, lots, lots of parents were sort of freaking out, like, oh, my God, screen time is increasing. Like, you know, I'm, I'm working and, you know, the my kids are, you know, homeschooling and, you know, I have no choice but to give them access to the tablet and computer for the entire time. And so am I a bad parent? And it's like, well, no, you're not a bad parent. We're First of all, we're living in extraordinary times. We're experiencing a collective trauma. And it's not just us, right? Our little ones are experiencing it too, even if they don't have the the skills or the language to verbalize that. And so I think we can give ourselves a little bit of grace in that regard and focus on the quality of the screen time. Focus on, depending on the age of your kids, co-creating a set of values that guide what people are watching and have those values actually apply for you as well, right? You know, not just for your kids, but have that be a set of values that actually guide how you use your screen time. What are you reading? What are you consuming? What are you watching on Netflix? And when are you watching them? And do you value time as a family together outside of just, you know, your screen time? Are there other ways that you all can balance those things out? That was one of the things I was actually thinking about because we often do set screen time limits for our kids, but we don't necessarily do the same for ourselves, right? And sometimes it's actually the parents who are on their phones the whole time and the kids want to talk to you or play with you or, you know, yes. go outside with you. And you're the one that's like, no, I'm busy, you know, <laughs> go, go play, you know, whatever Minecraft yes. <laughs> for a few minutes. And then like three hours later, it's like, oh no. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, a, a huge challenge. And, you know, there are small things that folks can do that, that, that can make a big difference. So uh, one of my favorite tools, if it's okay to talk about this, is a plugin called Stay Focused for the web browser. And uh, so I'm a political news junkie just by way of context. And so I could spend all my time if I could going down a political news rabbit hole. Um, But one of the things I love about this plugin is it allows me to plug in all of those distracting political news websites. And I set a time budget for myself of 30 minutes a day. And once my 30 minutes expires, if I'm on one of those websites, I get a pop-up that says, shouldn't you be working? And the website Okay, I need this. <laughs> yes, exactly. I the, love it. The cool thing is that the budget resets every 24 hours. So I get another 30 minutes the, the next day. And it's a reminder for me that, okay, I can allow myself to indulge in a guilty pleasure 
but I need to put some parameters around it and be intentional about how I'm doing that so I can make space to do the work. I can make space to be available and present for my friends and family um, while also engaging in, in that guilty pleasure. Yeah, and what, sorry, what was that plugin called again? I need to write it down. <laughs> yes, stay, stay focused is the plugin. Stay, stay focused. Yes. That's awesome. Um, do you actually advocate for a digital detox? You know, like you hear about, you know, people advice to go off all devices for a month or things like that. Is that is that something that you would say works? Yeah, it depends on the on the context. It's not a long term solution. Um, it can be a short term um, fix to raise your awareness about how you're using your technology and also to give your to give to give yourself an opportunity to figure out, okay, what what are the other ways that you can be engaged and present if you don't have a device as your as your crutch. And so um, every year there is a group that puts on something called the National Day of Unplugging. Um, typically, it mm -hmm. takes place in in March, and there's a Friday through it's like a 24 hour period from Friday through through Saturday. Um, and I I typically do this as well. Um, where you unplug your devices from Friday at sunset through um, Saturday at sunset. Um, and the idea is that you use it as an opportunity to really reflect on or how connected and how dependent am I on devices? Um, yeah. What are the ways in which I can, you know, be engaged in the world and not be connected to those devices? And then coming back from that digital detox, you know, what are some things that I, I might want to do differently. So a detox, depending on what your purpose is, can be perfectly valid. It can be impactful, um, but it's certainly not um, a long-term solution. Like you have to long-term be thinking about, again, what's your intention? What are your values um, for both your life and your work? And how can you align your technology usage and put systems and parameters in place that support you in that? Yeah, I love that. And I love what you, what you were mentioning about the, the plug-in because what you were saying before, even with Netflix, with YouTube, like so many of these technologies, so many of businesses have invested a lot of time in figuring out how to keep us hooked, yes. right? How do, mm -hmm. how do they keep us there? How do they keep us coming back? <clears throat> and they've thought about it. They've thought about it psychologically. They've thought about yes. it from a technology standpoint. And, they've and so for us, if you think about all the things that we're juggling in the day, and I know, again, like sample size of one here, if I think about maybe going on Instagram or watching some videos, like I hated how sucked in I get because I always think like, I'm just going to give myself a few minutes because this is like mindless. I'll laugh at some videos. I'll see some cute things and then I'll move on. And then more often than not, I'm like, oh my goodness, it's been 40 minutes. How in the world did this happen? Yes. Yes. And so it's not... There are some things that I would say, okay, I don't want to completely give it up, but an ability to have it in a more controlled way, because then I also think about, well, what in the, one of the last episodes we did was on self-care. Yes. And so how do you take some time to just say like, okay, just right now, I'm not going to be productive. I'm not going, I'm not even going to do something great. That's maybe going to advance me or humanity, but I just need to rest. And what does that look like? But what does that look like without going in some ways overboard and then feeling that guilt? So yeah. I think as much as like technology is sucked in us in, us in in some ways, like I like to see that there are some ways like for it to help as well to say like, this is how you stay balanced because if we just leave it to ourselves, it's really challenging to, yeah. to constantly have that. Yeah. And I think that in the context of what you just described, like there are so many small things you can do in, 
just in that scenario that make a big difference. So for example, mm -hmm. uh, both the Android and Apple devices have the ability for you to set time limits or reminders for different apps. And so, you know, mm -hmm. on your iPhone, for example, if you use an iPhone, you can set an, an app reminder for, okay, if, you know, my budget for Instagram is going to be 30 minutes. If I go over the 30 minutes, send me a reminder or pop up a reminder, let me know that I've exceeded my 30 minutes and that, you know, obviously you can bypass that, but this is sort of, you need something to sort of interrupt that, right? Um, yeah. And then there's also a setting within Instagram. And I think Facebook is, has the same setting. They make you search for it, but it's there in terms of the, the, the reminders that, that, that pop up to give you a sense of how much time you're spending on the platform and give you the opportunity to um, curtail that if you would like to. Mm -hmm. um, in the family setting, I think it's a, if you're just talking about your values, I think that's something you can add to that. Like how much time as a family do we think is healthy in terms of how much time we're spending in front of our screens and also having an explicit sort of understanding and list of, okay, well, here are the non-screen time ways that we engage as a family and encouraging your kids to be a part of that process with suggesting fun ideas for how you can do that and actually holding um, each other accountable. That's a very, um, you know, a very powerful way to um, leverage the technology, but also leverage the power of accountability and people as well. Yeah, well, and I love just the, the intentionality piece of it, because, for example, my partner, Jamie, has adult daughters and they play Minecraft together. So in one sense, they're, you know, they're all in different cities, like they're just playing a game, but it's almost a weekly habit. And in playing that game that they all know how to play, they've been doing this for years, they're having, they're chatting, they're having yeah, yeah. actual valuable family time. Yeah. Um, which is really, really nice to see just even with, you know, if I'm in the background washing my dishes, Sonia. <laughs> um, but so we're almost out of time, but I didn't want to leave the conversation without asking you a little bit about Zoom fatigue in particular, yes, yes. because I know we've been talking about our own devices, our phones and things that, you know, we kind of keep in our pockets all the time. Yes. But a lot of us are also tied to technology for work. Of course, we're in meetings all day long yes. and specifically on Zoom, which we now know there's a lot been written about Zoom fatigue and the idea that being on video conferences all day is actually really exhausting. Yes. So, you know, tell us your thoughts about that and any kind of tips to when you can't just not go to a meeting. <laughs> much Absolutely. As I wish. <laughs> so, so there is research from Stanford University in particular, the one that that's the set that I'm most the most familiar with that talks about the impact of Zoom fatigue. And the, the, the bottom line is this, the research shows that um, being on camera back to back and trying to make up for the gap that we miss in terms of social cues and that, that type of thing when we're in person is very draining mentally and emotionally. Uh, and so yeah. one of the recommendations related to that is to um, consider having cameras off or cameras optional um, meetings if you actually truly need to engage, being intentional about if you need to be on camera, being clear about why you want people to be on camera, what's the purpose of that? Maybe it's for the first part for a particular group exercise and people can turn their cameras off. Um, there are things people can do in terms of indicating in the meeting invite, if something is a camera's optional, cameras for part of it, a camera's for on for all of it. And- um, mm, That's a good idea. Yeah. And something that's interesting about this with the research shows is that the impact is particularly acute for women 
um, because we have different standards and expectations about what we require of um, women in terms of their, their appearance, right? And so lots of women feel pressure to have their hair done and to do makeup. And those are things that, you know, as a cisgender man, like, I don't have to think about those things, right? And so um, those, in terms of equity, we want to be thinking about those, particularly in the context of the workplace and given how, um, I guess, in some ways, more dramatically, women have been impacted overall um, by the pandemic. And, you know, the two final points I'll make about this is, um, one, this concept of knowing your Zoom number, right? So your Zoom number essentially, as I think about this concept, is knowing what your cap is on a number of Zoom meetings you can have in a day or in a week before it actually impedes your productivity in other areas of your work and in your life. And so this is something that you could talk about with your team, with your supervisor, and maybe you all can come up with some framing or values around this as an organization or as a team and you use that as a rubric to help people to be intentional about scheduling meetings, mm -hmm. um, knowing that, okay, well, you know, this is our cap. This is what we need to do in terms of number and also length, right? We can think differently about the length of meetings. The default setting for Gmail and Outlook and for a number of meetings is to schedule in 30 minute to hour long chunks. Well, you can change those settings so that a 30 minute meeting becomes 20 to 25 minute meetings. 20 to 25 minute meetings, and then a hour long meeting becomes maybe a 50 minute meeting. And you're giving people five, 10 minutes back of their time. And that yeah, adds up over I do that. Time. I yeah. do that very intentionally because <laughs> otherwise yes. it is, it's just back to back. And then you barely have time to eat anything or yes. you know go to the restroom or pet your dog or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's just, it's the other thing. I just reminds me of, you know, the, like, sh should this meeting actually be an email? <laughs> yes. <laughs> kind of um, uh, trope. Um, and then should this, could this meeting actually be a phone call? Because it's like we've stopped doing our group calls now because yes. we all seem to just be on video conference all the time. Absolutely. And it's such an important point about picking up the phone. And I think the other point is thinking about our meetings. You know, um, you know, I've, I've, over my career, been a lot of meetings where people just sort of regurgitate updates. And that's great. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. glad to know what you're working on. But is that really a great use of our time? Like, could we be using this to actually make a critical decision or talk through, mm -hmm. you know, a strategy or even do co-working, right? That's something else we don't take advantage of technology enough is to, particularly in the pandemic space, to actually use the space. People are burned out. Maybe they haven't had time to read the agenda or to read the supporting document. What if we actually did that together and co-created and co-edited in live and real time and made better use of that as opposed to just doing a round of updates um, for our meetings? Yeah, I love it. All right. Well, I think we're like over time. Sonia, do you have any any last thoughts? A million, but I will keep them to myself for the next conversation. <laughs> no, thank you so much. This was just thought-provoking, insightful, comforting, like all I, I could keep going on, but really, really appreciate you sharing your insights and your experience and your advice. I think um, I'm certain <laughs> I could probably say that, that in, in this situation, every one of our listeners got at least something out of it, something that they, you know, would, would perceive differently or do differently or think about differently. So that's all. Just thank you so much <laughs> for You're everything that you brought today. Yes, thanks for having me.
And I know there's a lot that's been covered. I And I always urge people when I do trainings, just pick one thing. There's a lot we talked about. You don't have to do all the things. Pick one thing and start there. Love it. Great. Well, thank you so much again, Mika. This was a really wonderful conversation. And we will see everybody next week.